0: Not Another True Crime Podcast. It's all fun
1: and games until someone gets hurt. Welcome back, everybody, to Not Another True Crime Podcast. I'm Sarah Levine.
2: And I'm Danny Murphy. You know us. We're your partners in wine, crime, and time. And we have one that happened kind of in this this time frame a few years ago.
1: Yes, we are talking about a murder case that took place over thanksgiving just
2: i guess it makes everybody feel like when you go home for the holidays you're like this could not get worse it could
1: there are there
2: are levels to that a but b i am so i mean my main thing and i feel like what we both talked about while prepping for this it's very interesting because it brings up a law that i I didn't know was a law (laughs) maybe i don't know if it's just because it like It doesn't get used much, or maybe it does, but not around me, at least.
1: It's true. I know. This is an episode where, like, we're going to get canceled because we're not legal experts, and we're going to be like, I don't understand this law, and I feel like this law means this, but I don't know if it exists everywhere, but I know that it exists in Minnesota.
2: There are, like, I think I Googled, there's a few states in the country where it exists, and it gets into a very interesting thing where it is uh, why it becomes such an issue because even with legal experts, they say that it's a law that it kind of is used now as such like an interpretation of a law mm-hmm. and it means different things in different states too. So there, there yeah. gets a lot of like murky water with it.
1: Interesting, like a, like a Rorschach test.
2: It <laughs> literally is. Now, it's honestly the Rorschach test for the jury because I mean, a lot of it comes down to what whether the jury rules for it to... If, it, if the certain crime was excused for it or not.
1: Yeah. Well, I mean, this case is interesting. And I would say I have a lot of thoughts, but my thoughts are just like just like a sigh and a shrug and like, yeah. oh, well. <laughs> no,
2: it's truly where well, I'm just like, oh, God. I feel like every single person, it could have not happened in so many ways, but it now just, it, 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 it happened.
1: Yeah. Yeah. Well, we're going to get into it. This is, I feel, it's not really a deep cut, but if, I don't know, Danny, like, how did you come across this? I'd never heard of this before.
2: I came across it, honestly, because I was looking at, um, like, a like, uh, cases that were going on, because I, I was kind of curious, because I feel like for a while we haven't done a case where, like, a law comes into play in a specific way. Very true. So I looked up, like, uh, <laughs> cases with confusing laws. ooh. <laughs> I found it from that because it's very interesting because I feel like I feel there are so many ones that a lot of times it gets there are the cuts and drives but then it's like the parade like the persuasion of the evidence and everything like that and the evidence comes into play in a strong way here yeah for um, kind of disproving that but I know yeah do you want to jump into it
1: yeah yeah this case is interesting because it's not a like did he do it didn't he right it's like he did it but was it justified so we are talking about Byron David Smith. He was a retired security engineering officer who worked for the U.S. state, and he was 64 years old at the time of this incident that we are going to discuss in 2012. Um, He was never married, lived alone, and was sort of described as a bit of a loner.
2: People just really going on, And this was even from his brother, too, saying all this. Ouch. So, <laughs> yeah.
1: Not loyal. <laughs>
2: <clears throat> Not at all.
1: So he lived in Little Falls, Minnesota, which is where the crime took place, which is also where he grew up. Just a little bit of background info from true crime all the time, shouts out. He did really well in high school. He graduated second in his class in 1966, went to the University of Minnesota, but then went into the Air Force in Vietnam in 1968 and was, like, pretty decorated, and then he had, like, some good engineering jobs, but then just, like, had issues with his jobs. And basically, in Little Falls, I think it's, like, a really small town. I think
2: it's, like, 8,000 or maybe less than that. Like, I remember everyone kept on emphasizing how tiny this town was.
1: Yeah, yeah, super small. I, my notes from True Crime all the time said just over 1,000 people, but...
2: Oh, I think it was 800 probably, then, not 8,000. I'm like,
1: 000, that's yeah. a high school, but wow. Insane. That's wild to me. Anyway. Minnesota. <laughs> <I> was, <laughs> Oh, those city folks. Um, <laughs> <laughs> but anyway, so his he lived in this house in Little Falls. Um, his home had been broken into like a lot of times uh, between like six to ten. And it seemed that he was very like concerned and, and nervous about his house being broken into. Um, only one of these times did he report this break into the police, though. So I don't know.
2: I feel like it's kind of like you take it with, like, a grain of salt, a squeeze of lime. Like, you're like, were all these break-ins actually, <laughs> I like, going I on? I, I, it's very like it's very interesting that, like, because especially someone who, like, I mean, like, engineering officer, I also know, too, that he, it's not like he was, like, a, a, against cops in any way, shape, or form. We talk about that later on, where I feel like he would have reported more. I'm shocked that he did not report more of these happening.
1: Yeah, who knows? I mean, he... Who knows? Because he thought that it was his neighbor's daughter. And he did not have a good relationship with that neighbor, I think. So I'm not really sure what went on there. But he had... So he had this fear that his house was going to be burglarized. He also was afraid that the people who were breaking in were armed. And so apparently he did install a security system to kind of like monitor and assuage that fear. But it really didn't get better. And to be fair, his house was broken into.
2: It, yeah, so the, and there were um, like when the, the police did visit, there were um, signs of it. There were things that were missing. There was everything like that. So he was on a lot of edge. And I mean, also he was like a 64 like a year old man living alone.
1: And, yeah, uh, I think at one point he said that like the people, like when someone broke into his house one time, he said that um, the people who broke into his house took one of his military jackets. But And and no tools, which led him to think it was a woman. So that's why he thought it was this neighbor's daughter. Um, And then apparently, that daughter was seen wearing his military jacket at school. But
2: I mean, the real the real crime there is why is camo a trend? But
1: that (laughs) that is very true.
2: (laughs) We can get into that on a later on our fashion police spinoff of this. Yeah. (laughs) So yeah. So like like uh, Sarah was mentioning, like he was super on edge about all of this. There were obviously. Crimes happening with his home, and also at this time too, there were break-ins being reported. We'll connect some I feel dots. Like that later.
1: happens a lot, right? Like around this yeah. time of year. Well, it or is. Do I just get all my crime education from Home Alone?
2: <laughs> <laughs> it might be fifty forty. Yeah, yeah, whatever. <laughs> but
1: I do know. Well, I do know time. that
2: there is <laughs> 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 there is a thing where I feel around holiday times when like people are like more people are home for the holidays and everything's kind of like, like there's the mischief of it all. You know what Mm. I mean? Not saying anything that from, from the kids point of view, not anything that the adults in these scenarios are doing, but like from like what I feel kids kind of like, uh, you know, there's like in Jersey, there's mischief night on Halloween Eve. uh, (laughs) And then like, there's all these like Thanksgiving Eve, everyone just gets shit faced at local bars being crazy. I don't do that because I moved from my hometown, but. Shout out if you do enjoy uh, enjoy it all too well to, to get your Taylor Swift. It's oh perfect gosh. for Taylor Swift's Red to come out right yes. before that. So speaking of, I mean the original Red came out in 2012, so this is really full circle. So there you go. So on November 22nd, 2012, which was Thanksgiving of this year, so uh, our uh, Smith went to visit his neighbors, just uh, probably, assumingly, to have a Thanksgiving meal. Parked his car in front of uh, their house. So at this time, it looked like he was not home because uh, obviously because he wasn't home and uh, his car was not there.
1: I actually didn't know that because um, in true crime all the time, he said that they basically said that he he was like thinking or anticipating that he was going to get burglars. He moved his car and he would later claim at trial that it was like so he could clean out his garage or something.
2: Oh, like, interesting. I didn't know anything
1: about a neighbors, but I mean like,
2: cause I, oh, cause I saw in, in the, lo- uh, this is like from like a local, uh, report. And then cause they, he talks about these neighbors again in a
1: little bit. Interesting. So okay, cool. Yeah. Cool.
2: So what, anything, so he was moving his car, but he didn't go to stop for the neighbors. Cause when he was driving away, uh, that is when he saw Haley Keifer's, uh, who's 18 and her cousin, Nicol- uh, Nicholas Brady, who was 17's car drive by, and he sus- suspected that she was responsible for all the break-ins, so left the neighbor's area to get to, quote-unquote, get ready for her and went back home.
1: Interesting. I just want to cut in also just with a little bit of info about Haley and Nicholas. So Haley was an 18-year-old senior, and she was described by people who knew her as kind and comp- and a competitive athlete, but she struggled with um, drug use. And by 18, she'd already had 19 different run-ins with the police, but those just kind of ran the gamut. Like it wasn't from like, from serious to like, like a parking ticket. Like crimes, um, yeah. And then Nicholas Brady was 17, um, Haley's cousin, and he had attended Little Falls High School, but he was at a different high school when he was killed. And that's a little bit of info on them.
2: Yeah, so they uh, kind of would uh, get into some light, troubles here and there and everything along those lines. So when he, so now that Smith knew that they were assumingly going to target his home, which obviously they did, he went back to his house and turned on the recording device that he installed for security purposes, which is very interesting considering what ends up happening that he put on all of this to be recorded. So after he turned that on, he went on to remove all the light bulbs from the ceiling lights in this uh, basement area, and then sat in a chair that nobody could see Very if they creepy. entered the room that he was sitting in. Very And he had,
1: like, two guns on him when he was sitting in the chair, and he also put a tarp on the floor.
2: Yes. So he had it all set up like... Like a full Dexter room, I feel like. I was going to say, literal, set up in the way of someone planning to commit a murder.
1: Yeah, I would say he was not trying to have, like, a stern lecture with them about respecting people's property. I'll go that. I'll say that.
2: Exactly. So the teens ended up, of course, uh, I mean, because he saw them and suspected them. uh, They broke into the house through an upstairs window. And when they were doing all of that, uh, Smith silently sat for 12 minutes while all of that was going on, just in this basement, in the dark, in his chair, with his gun, until Brady, the 17-year-old Nicholas, uh, started to walk into the basement. When Nicholas walked into the basement, he shot him twice on the stairs, and then also, after he collapsed, one additional time in the head. Jeez. <clears throat> so, kind of to add on to what Sarah was saying, no, everything, it was in the way of just being, like, not even just a warning shot, into that it was a, from this, seemingly, a shoot to kill. hmm He, uh, so because this was recorded, uh, Smith had everything on, there was audio that we'll get into later, showing Smith taunting Brady's body before wrapping it up in a tarp and dragging it into another room. Awful. He, yeah, he then um, <clears throat> reassumed his position, reloading his gun, everything like that, and waited an additional 15 more minutes uh, until Haley came down. So then you can hear Haley from this audio entering the room, calling for her cousin. And as she walked on the stairs, Smith shot her. And she fell, and after, as she fell, she was at that moment still alive. But uh, the S- Smith said, uh, "quote unquote," oh, sorry about that, and then continued to shoot her multiple times in the torso while she screamed.
1: Yeah, I so, like listened to that audio against my will. I didn't realize what I was going to hear. And uh, she, as she gets shot, she says something like, "Like oh my god!" Yeah,
2: and that like is where some kind and like, of
1: exclamation he, of surprise.
2: Yeah, and that's like he, well, he claims later on that he thought she was taunting him, even though that's not a defense for anything, no. but they were like, no, she was panicking. If, oh my God, life. it was a
1: taunt. Like I would be killed like a billion times over by now. Uh,
2: it's how I start every text. OMG. <laughs> I can't not. I can't not. Yeah. So he allegedly called this shot the quote unquote good clean finishing shot. And during this time, also caught an audio. He did kind of the similar thing. Uh, mm-hmm. Called her derogatory names and dragged her into the room where he put her body on top of her cousins, shooting her one additional time there.
1: Yeah, like in the audio, it's it's just really interesting. Like he calls them vermin at one point. He says, um, I felt like I was cleaning up a mess. And he says that mess is worse than diarrhea at some point. Um, yes. So it's just really like, I don't know, charged monologue with himself um well that's
2: and that's the thing it's like it's a it's it's a weird thing that it's a speech he's making to himself but almost in a weird way because like he knows he's recording this too so i'm yeah. like what is really the end game with him on, on this
1: yeah well it's like interesting because in the audio you can hear him kind of rehearsing like what he's gonna say about what he just did mm-hmm. yeah and we'll play we'll play some of the audio in a bit So as far as what happened afterwards, this is wild. So he didn't actually report this to the police until the next day. And he basically told them the reason was, well, my Thanksgiving was ruined, so I didn't want to ruin your Thanksgiving. Thanks. Yeah, they have people scheduled to work and that's not the real thing.
2: And also, what else, like... uh a, a deranged th- reason, like a yeah. reason to say,
1: right? Like, oh, I'm just gonna sleep in a house with two dead bodies, Ugh. so I don't ruin some police officers' Thanksgiving. Like, okay, <laughs> like, th- and so yeah, then great. the next day he reportedly asked one of his neighbors for a good lawyer, according to a complaint, and then he asked that neighbor to call the police. Um, <sighs> a lot, a lot to put on one neighbor.
2: That is, uh, if there's any person in New York where you don't talk to your neighbors, that is one of them.
1: Yeah. Yeah, I feel like at that point when the police came, he he pretty much did give himself up. He Yeah. But this is kind of when he told the police that he was defending himself because of the other times he was burglarized. So again, like at this point, the police only have one report of a break-in at his house, which was about a month prior on October 22nd, where $4,000, uh, gold coins, two guns, photo equipment, and jewelry were taken. Um it's a lot of
2: stuff. So it I, is it, a lot yeah.
1: of stuff. And I also do have a note that I heard from True Crime all the time, which was um, dur- like as a result of this burglary, another teenager was found with Byron's shotgun and said that he got it from Nick. So it is definitely possible that they did burglarize his house before.
2: So Smith was saying all this in terms to use it for his defense, because in the main thing that we'll get into with his defense in this is that he was telling the police it was self-defense because he said that they broke in. And when the police got there, they acknowledged that all the signs looked like there was a break-in happening and that they were able to see a broken window. They have the footage of them going... Because at first, there was the video footage of them breaking in because they can see that and on top of the audio that we'll get into. So they knew that these kids were doing it and on top of that a few months prior Brady's sister claimed that he stole drugs from her house so he was actively under investigation at that time Hmm. and these kids they also when they found the car that um, they drove there they found that they could link the um, belongings and possessions in the backseat of the car to ones that were missing from a retired teacher's house from the night before so it looked like they kind of were doing like break-ins in a row
1: Interesting. Yeah. So, I mean, he you can hear also there's some audio of him like talking to the, the police officer and the police officer is kind of trying to get him to like admit that he's like angry, like he did this out of anger mm-hmm. um, and he admitted that he fired more shots than he needed to. He said he felt threatened, unhappy at one point, said he was mad. He said he uh, was no longer willing to live in fear. And he told police that he was, quote, far over the edge. And he said that he was reacting to what he called the threat and previous losses. So, yeah, I'm, I'm guessing that's the, the previous theft. And he also told the police that he delivered fatal blows to both of the teenagers, you know, when he shot them or after he shot them. Like you said before, he kind of claimed that Haley laughed at him after she was shot. And like, no, I heard the audio like she was not laughing.
2: And also, what does that have to do with anything if she was laughing?
1: Yeah, yeah. He did say, I fired more shots than I needed to, but, I mean, okay, like, that's not going to bring these people back that you shot. That exactly. You and also,
2: with that, too, that goes against a self-defense claim, too, because you're yeah. even saying that you did more than that.
1: Well, he did say in this interview, he basically said that he assumed that Haley had a gun. Like, he yeah. he said, um, I'm not going to wait for her to ask her if she has a gun, and basically said that, as far as he was concerned, they were totally dangerous, but they were not armed, and like nobody was pulling a gun on him. Like they were just coming down the stairs, and I in mean,
2: darkness too. Like they they didn't even know a person was down
1: there. Yeah, that's true. They didn't know anybody was down there. So, I mean, like like you said, this case is pretty interesting because it brings up something called the castle doctrine debate. So. Basically what that means is that um under Minnesota law a person may use deadly force to prevent a felony from taking place in their home. The law states if you feel threatened with great bodily harm or if you are trying to prevent a felony, you can shoot and kill.
2: And what's interesting with that, they even said that you can it could apply if someone is not threatening you but like to prevent a felony. So if someone was in your house calling say to be like Oh, I'm going to deliver drop or like planning I was going to say, like, can like that. you
1: kill someone who's going to like you know do mail fraud or something? That seems yeah. absurd,
2: In- insane.
1: Yeah. Um. And so this case kind of also made people feel like the law itself was on trial. And I will say that pretty much after um this guy was charged, after Smith was charged, um, the sheriff kind of came out. Even the sheriff was like yeah, we do have this law, but, like, this is not it. Like, he, the sheriff pretty much, according to the podcast, um, pretty much came out and was like, this is not, like, what the law is for. And so with that, it was determined that the law would have allowed the first two shots, like, you know, clean and, and clear, and he would have been fine, but then once the teenagers were on the ground, they were no longer a threat, which, I mean... I believe like that seems completely yeah. accurate. Cuz
2: if you're if you're if you're using a law that says you are in danger and you need to defend your land and you need to defend yourself. That is one thing, but then like shooting bodies that are on the ground, what what are you defending?
1: Yeah. Yeah. I mean, I also think there was a lot of premeditation, but we can go into that in a bit.
2: And I think we'll be getting into that in our next section yes, <laughs> in this next yes. line. Yeah.
1: And what also doesn't help Smith's case was that neither of the teenagers were armed even though he was like, "Oh, what am I going to ask her if she has a gun?" like blah blah blah. Um and he even said himself that he shot them to finish them off.
2: Cuz that that's exactly so what kind of really besides the 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 picture that was literally seen of these kids being shot multiple times, everything like that. The audio that came out really kind of led the the case. And we have some of the audio that we can play here, too, just for you to kind of, like, get a better picture of it and to kind of see how. Because, honestly, I feel like without this audio, it probably would have been a much harder case. And I know even some jurors said this, too, at the end. But, like, it really did sway everybody to kind of see what happened here. Yeah. So the first part of the audio that we're going to play is him, literally, before any crime was committed, him sitting, practicing and rehearsing what he is going to say after the fact, which adds to the case that he knows he is committing a crime and this was premeditated.
1: I realize I don't have an appointment, but I would like to see one of the lawyers here.
2: Just like the heavy whisper chill of it is so... Yeah. And that like how, yeah, there's no way you can claim anything other than the fact that he knew he was about to commit this crime and was about to murder who was going to commit.
1: I feel it does kind of seem to me like regardless of the outcome, he kind of knew what his reaction was going to be. Ex- exactly. Like, you know, if they were armed or not. And then we had this other clip of kind of immediately after the killings, um, he kind of just talks about almost his motivations for what's going on. And because I try to be a decent person, they think I'm a fancy. I'm a sucker. They think I'm there for them to take advantage of. Is that the reward for being a good
2: That is what yeah. uh, the that is what his security recording audio collected.
1: Yeah. Well, after that, he kind of goes on this whole tangent of like they take a they take slice out of me. And then and then if I go to the police, they'll maybe get six months to two years in prison. And then after that, they're going to be after me with a vengeance. And and he was basically saying, like, I had to put this to bed once and for all. Like he was just kind of monologuing about his, own, his own kind of thought process.
2: And literally thinking this was the only way that his house would stop being burglarized, I Yeah.
1: Right. So (laughs) I feel like that didn't help his case of self-defense. Not at all. And um, a professor of criminal law kind of commented that the statute is pretty broadly interpreted, like someone can maybe chase you even outside their house, but they need to act reasonably. Um, They said, you can defend your dwelling, but... The Supreme Court has said this isn't a license to kill. And the opinion was kind of also that like the responsible way to kind of utilize this law would have been to call 911 immediately after the first two shots, which, yeah, I feel like that's really, oh my God, I, I shot someone and they were coming to my home and, and not, okay, I'm going to shoot these people after they're already down and then sleep with the bodies.
2: Yeah, and then have to the see in a tarp in a corner.
1: Right, you know? right. And and yeah, so then these audiophiles too had him saying kind of like incriminating things like in your left eye, which is where he shot Haley. And he said, I realize I don't have an appointment, but I would like to see one of the lawyers here. And after he shot Haley the first time, he said something like, oh, I bet you thought you were really being like a, a troll or something like that. Like he insults her. Um, and I, I think all this led people to believe that the murder was the murders were were intentional and and he knew he was going to need a lawyer. Um and also he kept giving statements to the press <laughs> after this happened, like saying things like, I'm not a bleeding heart liberal. I felt like I was cleaning up a mess.
2: So yeah, that's why he was like defending he was like saying that he was kind of solving crime in his own way, but you were in fact Committing a crime. Yeah. A worse crime than like,
1: um, Not really. Interesting. Yeah, so long story short, I mean, this doctrine did not shield him. He was charged with two counts of second-degree murder and then later indicted on two counts of first-degree premeditated murder. The bail was set for $50,000 and he posted it. I think it was initially set for like $2 million and then he got it lowered two, to like $1 yeah, million like, was, And then eventually he was like, they were like, because he'd been to like 40 countries, I think, like something – there mm-hmm. like that. And he basically just had to like surrender his passport eventually and then was out on bail.
2: Yeah. So yeah, cause I know it kept on dropping, dropping down and then he got it for that. But then of course he went back to trial on April 21st, 2014 and it did not last long. People did not really need that much time to deliberate on where they stood with this. Uh, so then literally a week later on April 29th, he was found guilty on the two counts of first-degree murder uh, with premeditation, on the two counts of second-degree murder after just three hours of jury deliberations. Wow. He was sentenced to life in prison with no possibility of parole. And a lot of the jurors, uh, they kind of unanimously agreed that the biggest influence on their decisions were the audio recordings. The one juror even um, spoke out after saying that it really convinced them that they were "quote unquote" dealing with a deranged individual, so it was someone that they really had the motive, had a lot, had a lot charged in with this. And um, he, of course, has kept on trying to do appeals. Most recently, last year, November twentieth, twenty twenty, and that was denied this past March. I think it was I, denied
1: I was, by the Supreme Court, right? Yeah, but yeah. So he's done. He's in prison. Now. He's done. Forever. He
2: he he is he is serving the rest of his life in prison.
1: Yeah, I mean, I w- I think like this is so. I mean, this this feels very obviously premeditated to me. Like the tarp yeah. and the and the recordings and the fact that he like pretty much just set a trap and was laying in wait.
2: Just tr- and then like going and having everything like doing soliloquies, having all this <laughs> happen, and then even realizing like. Not even because if it was an accident, he'd be like, oh, my God, oh, my God, oh, my God. I have to call them immediately. Not, oh, let me wait so I don't ruin their Thanksgiving.
1: Yeah. And let me get a lawyer. And well, I mean, you know what I mean. Just getting yeah, a lawyer so, before. I don't know. I'm just. It's, awesome.
2: it's so crazy, And it's fun, I, it, what's interesting because I even looked to see if this like, I guess this case wasn't so large in the Minnesota, like in the <laughs> Minnesota law sense, because they still have this doctrine there. I think they switch it and revise it here and there and stuff like that and I just it's like a very interesting thing to me that uh it is still around there because they they try to have it be like your stand your ground thing but
1: Right, it did give me like stand your ground vibes. Yeah. Yeah, I don't know. I mean, I kind of am like honestly annoyed that he's trying to appeal because or that he tried to appeal cuz it's like you you like really clearly did this. Like Exactly. You know.
2: And yeah, there's there's only um the only states with like no or like weak ones are D, well, D. C well DC, but it doesn't really count. as state Nebraska, New Mexico, South Dakota, and Vermont. Everywhere else Dang, has New York some, doesn't some have light one? of this. Or they got they we have one. This? But it's a wow. retreat uh, the, for New York, it's retreat required if the perpetrator knows that with complete personal safety to oneself or other, he or she may avoid the necessity of using deadly force. So uh, it's kind of like more so in a thing. It's like if you've, but it's also, that's where it gets, that's where it gets confusing because you're like only use it if you feel there's no other option. But then how do people say that there is no other option?
1: That is interesting. I don't know. Yeah.
2: And it's crazy too. Cause some of these like, cause New York's thing is just like a sentence long and stuff like that. But then you get to like, PA, Tennessee, Texas, Utah, there are like five paragraphs oh, of details yeah, for that.
1: Yeah. Well, I'm sure, I I can just imagine all the shit that Texas has to say.
2: Yeah. Uh, <laughs> it's a, it's a it, there's a there's a lot of uh subsections a b c d e f, yeah. Oh, for sure. <laughs> that penal that piano code length and width.
1: <laughs> yeah. Yeah. Oh. Yeah, I mean, this seems kind of open and shut to me, like obviously we know that he killed them and if I was on that jury, I would also feel that was premeditated.
2: Yeah, I mean, how can you? Literally, how could you say it wasn't? Yeah, you know what I mean. Like, it really there was really nothing. Yeah, yeah. Because if there wasn't the audio, I really, I really, there could have been a better.
1: Yeah, case I think for with the audio, them. it would have been a little bit more of a debate of like, oh, well, he sat in the dark, and there were the tarps mm-hmm. there, and you know that kind of stuff. And I guess you yeah, wouldn't. Exactly. I mean. I feel like they could do ballistics to figure out like, you know, how many was this person already like on the ground?
2: That's true. From the angles and everything. Who knows?
1: You know, again, probably just watch too much Law and Order. But (laughs) but yeah, I mean, the audio recording is just such a like open and shut moment.
2: I feel like we need a palate cleanser from all that. I think we need a game. I think we need Jorge to help help bring us back into some light.
0: Oh, a chilling case, to be sure. Anyways, so today I thought we could do something a little different. And since the holidays are coming up, in keeping with the whole Thanksgiving theme, I thought we could play a game called Not Another Thankful Thanksgiving. (laughs) (laughs)
2: <laughs>
0: <Ooh>. <laughs> so I know the whole, the whole thing is that you're supposed to go around And say something you're thankful for But mm. we are not another true crime podcast So we're going to do this a little differently We're going to go okay. around and pick something That you are not thankful for this year oh. it Could be a rant on <sighs> pumpkin flavors Or a sports theme or the weather Really you can pick whatever you want and tell us why you are specifically not thankful about it this year.
1: Interesting, because this is like therapy.
0: It's I a know, little it bit really like is. therapy, <laughs> and I feel like we could use it after that it. grueling crime.
1: <laughs> I love it. I think I'm definitely not thankful for Daylight Savings Time. It was Oh, my God, amazing. you stole mine.
0: I literally no, was going to say sorry. that.
1: It's I'm, like, hard. literally looking outside my window. It's getting dark right now. I know. It's um, And I'm like, so who sad. asked for this? Farmers. Uh, yeah. Do you even have more daylight? Like, you have to wake up early. It's the same amount. Like, I don't, it feels like less, even. I don't even understand yeah. how it works. I know. And, like, yeah.
0: and this is interesting, too, because I grew up in Puerto Rico and I lived there until I was 18 and then I moved here. And in Puerto Rico, we don't have daylight savings time. And guess it's what, everyone? There. We're fine like nothing <laughs> happens.
2: Your, your society <laughs> continues in from november to uh, right? fucking, yeah, just march
0: keep living on um but even been. yeah we're recording what is it like four forty right now and it's pitch yeah. night outside it's so sad. are you serious it's, oh maybe this is in the office our windows are facing in so oh maybe, okay i
1: was like dang i i'm like my sunset is happening okay. right now
0: at least you have you have yeah, a my son is
2: setting
1: right now my It's dramatic. It doesn't make
0: any sense. I'm not thankful for it either, Sarah. Fully agree, and we should just get rid of it. It doesn't make any sense. Agree, Danny. What are you not thankful for this year? Well,
2: I am. Well, because it's a thing that is a mix. Because I, because I love Trader Joe's, Hmm. Mm -hmm. and I'm thankful for a lot of their seasonal things because they do make me very happy, and I feel like it's like a great place just to go and like cheer yourself up. But I bought something from them for fall that literally. When the audio was playing for, like, it's, like, vomit and diarrhea, I was like, oh, that's the pumpkin Alfredo sauce.
1: Oh, no. Wait, that (laughs) sounds like it would be so good.
2: Wait, have you seen it? You know what I'm talking about? No. In its defense, it does have craft orange coloring, so, like, I should have known better. I'm Googling this. But also, they do pumpkin stuff so well because they have, like, really fun stuff, and I kind of was like, okay, maybe, like, a pumpkin-y, cheesy, that could be a thing. But I tried to mix it with, I really tried so hard, I could not even take one bite of it. And I'm not like a food not like I will eat something if it is just fine. It was so repulsive to me. And it looked like the consistency of it looked like not even like like I would have rather put my pasta with. Yes. Ew. (laughs) That's it. It is. I know. No, the more you show it to me, the more I was so stupid for buying it. It was so gross. And now (laughs) it has ruined me because I don't like pumpkin with anything now in a savory sense.
0: Oh no! Besides,
2: besides, like pumpkin ravioli with sage butter, that sounds good. That's good, but when you get like a pumpkin enchilada, I'm like, that is fucking disgusting. Keep it at no. I don't want to do any of that. And when they have like they try to make because everyone now on the TikTok and the Reels they try to make pumpkin everything in the sense (laughs) that they try to make it like a cute little pasta bake. Like I'm seeing so many pumpkin sauces right now. It's so gross. And like they try to like spaghetti squash it. I'm like, can we just end it? I'm just ready for mint. I think mint, and it was yes. So, and I <laughs> hope cute. someone else bought that and also tried it and was so gross because I feel because it was like four ninety because like that's what Trader Joe's does. It was like three or four ninety nine, and <laughs> I'm like, oh, you know, let me get that it's so easy. And it was in with like cute little like pumpkin pasta shape. So I was like, oh, this will be so cute. It'll be adorable. Oh, it and you it really paid seamless, the price. I really paid the price. I paid I paid $33 for Greek food that I had to order after I tried to eat.
0: <laughs> yeah, I fell into a similar Trader Joe's trap. Um, also pumpkin-based, but it was, Ooh. you know, one of the, those burritos that they have? They have a bunch of oh. them. Oh. There's, like, a super Thank burrito with, like, quinoa and stuff that's really good. There's, a like, a chicken one that's tasty, but they had one that was, like, pumpkin mole. I was like, oh, this oh. sounds... Uh this sounds interesting i'll try it it. yeah it's what yeah it was like a dollar fifty or three dollars i was like yeah what do i have to lose well yeah yeah, i tasted that and i immediately had to like throw that in the trash and get another one it's so weird the texture was all wrong just the taste of it there there must be something with the way that trader joe's is packaging pumpkins that they need to change it up like what are they doing
1: Oh, man.
2: Also, it's so hard, but it should be so easy. I feel like that's a Taylor Swift lyric. Because, like, a (laughs) pumpkin has not the strongest... You just season it or, like, do something nice to it and when you package it, and it should be all
1: good, but they're throwing it in too many things. Oh, my gosh. Science has gone too far.
2: (laughs) It really, really has.
1: (laughs) I'm excited. Bring on the mint and the cranberry. Oh,
2: God. Oh, my God. Like a pomegranate margarita.
1: Yep.
0: Well, all right. That was not another thankful Thanksgiving for us <laughs> from the not another <laughs> podcast um and while we are not thankful for these things i will say something i am very thankful for is this podcast and uh, doing this every Yay! week with you guys the highlight Aww. of my week every time and Aww. we're doing some great content and i'm so excited to be working with you
1: oh me too that is so sweet yes it's amazing and we're thankful for all of you who are listening so thank you guys so much
2: I know. Yeah. Thank you, guys. You keep us going because it feels like I'm. I'm glad we don't just talk to the void. We have fun Seriously. people. Seriously, <laughs> which is so great. Which is a nice. It's a nice little gift.
1: It is. And if you want to give us another gift, please rate, review, and subscribe. Ooh. Give us five stars. Honestly, the best holiday gift we could have. I feel like.
2: Honestly, I know it's not the right holiday for it, but we don't need frankincense or myrrh. We just need. <laughs> that's the modern day frankincense myrrh and. Butter, or no, but, but the butter is more rate, review, and subscribe. <laughs> Those are what the three wise men are doing now in a Brooklyn coffee shop. That is Join right. them.
1: <laughs> that is what they're doing. And uh, follow us on Instagram at not know the true crime. You can tell us what you're thankful for or Ooh. what you hate. We, we also love to complain. So um, just DM us on there. You can also just do that in our Facebook group, not know the true crime group. Feel free to tell us what your what your pet peeves are. Oh, yes, please. And then if you want, you can follow me on Instagram, Sarah Lamim, And
2: you can follow me at KashmirDannyKashmir Kashmir with a K.
1: And we hope everybody has a great Thanksgiving and we'll be back next week. <laughs> Not Another True Crime Podcast is produced by Jorge Morales Pico and Sean Kilby. Our hosts are Sarah Levine and Danny Murphy. Editing by Jorge Morales Pico. Social media by Sarah Levine. Be sure to follow at NATC Pod on Instagram, Twitter, and Facebook. And send us your emails to natc at betches.com.
0: Betches.